Hey, man, I'm trying to avoid you participating in cringe culture as much as possible. You know how important that is to you. I just don't want to be cringe. You know what I mean? Trying not to be cringe. Can't don't don't cancel my cringe ass. Is what I always say. Let me be cringe. Just let me be cringe. Oh, my God. You're the cringe Wait. who canceled uh, Christmas. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Mr. Cringe. Mr. Cringe. <laughs> You're posting dogs on Maine. <laughs> a post about your wife that is not your anniversary, Mr. Cringe. We get it that you're happy, but please don't make me feel bad. Welcome to the Bundle Buddies, the podcast where we play through the Itch.io Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality. My name is Alex Honnett. And my name is Eric Taylor Roth. The Itch.io Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality was launched in June 2020 during the massive outcry for racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. It has 1,741 items from 840 plus creators and it raised over $8 million. All proceeds were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense Educational Fund as well as the Community Bail Fund. This is episode 28 and we have played 79 of the 1,365 playable games in the bundle. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, my friend. Eric Roth. Hello, Alex Hanit. Hello. Hello. What are you playing? Tell me about what you've been playing lately. I've been playing a game called Griftlands. It's in early access on Steam. It's a card game where the cards are for conversation and for battle. Uh, There are all kinds of cool interactions and exchanges between it. There's this like broader world you're exploring. There's characters you unlock. It's uh, an incredibly good game, and it's right up your fucking alley, my oh, friend. Oh, really? I think you'd absolutely adore it. Oh, yeah. okay. I'll check out this Griftlands game. Yeah. That sounds fun. I've been That's playing nothing. Just bullshit. Just Apex Legends. That's it. I'm a oh, fucking, baby. I, I'm a, I love it. I'm a coward. You're eating damn corn dogs and playing Apex Legends. That oh, rules. I wish I was eating corn dogs. It's all baked tempeh for me. I'm uh, on a diet right now. I'm doing one of those diet plans, and mm-hmm. we're doing 1,400 calories. Now, I realize it's the first time that I uh, 1,400 have... calories. Yeah, it's not 2,000. So you're the the whole point is like you trick your body by eating a ton of like high uh, water soluble things, huh. and um, that like has a lot of mass, and so you get full. Yeah, I'm like. All right, I'll I'll try that, and uh, it's made me very cranky. I didn't realize how cranky I can be. I uh, get that. I looked at my I face know. in the mirror today, and I was like, "You, you, got, you got a fat little face going on right here." <laughs> <laughs> you're a really handsome guy, and you're you're strong. You have like a strong upper body, which thank I think is you. nice. Oh my god, thank you, Alex. Thank you. But enough about me. Uh, what sort of updates you got for us? Um, well, our folks at Skybear Games, uh, their second game, Wonderland Nights White Rabbit's Diary, uh, is a finalist in the category Excellence in Visual Arts at the New Zealand Game Festival's Awards, which are known as the PAVs. Uh, so congratulations, Claire and James. It's so exciting. I hope you guys bring home the gold. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Exactly what they have. 
the metal system. I hope you beat there. all of those other games. I hope you you make all of those other games cry. Yeah, clobber the other Kiwis is what we're saying. <laughs> um, and then the game Hive Time, which we played uh, with Andrew Haywood. Uh-huh. Uh, they've got a new version of the game out, an updated version. Not not like a nothing dramatically different, but they are fixing some bugs. And they announced they have over fifty thousand downloads of that game, which oh, is I love so it. Cool. That's great. Yeah. I can't imagine that a game like that would have reached that wide of an audience uh, without being included in the bundle. And suddenly everyone had these games, which is, it's another cool thing about it. That yeah. That's game. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Hive time. You deserved it. Uh, speaking of deserving stuff, mm-hmm. this week's guest is great. Uh, her name is Claire McFadden. She's a comedian and writer based in Chicago. Uh, and when it's not the middle of a pandemic, she was touring with the Second City. Uh, she is a writer for Jackbox Games. So in this episode, uh, we delve deep into their development process. I didn't realize this, but Claire is not a huge video game player, uh, although we do tease it out. So the section where we normally, you know, sort of uh, wax poetic about like how good old video games are, we don't really have that in this. We just like get into the nitty gritty. No. Of, just like but yeah it's cool it's a this is like a deep dive into the development process of jackbox and uh it's super cool and interesting if you happen to be a person who has written comedy specifically for the stage or improvised or or done something like that uh a lot of our conversation is grounded in what's like as someone who writes or who's come through that tradition or discipline to be writing video games so this might be extra interesting for you um because, you know, that's where Eric and I kind of come from. We're like, so what's it like having done something like that and not doing this? And she's like, well, it's cool. So uh, <laughs> she's incredibly intelligent and very thoughtful and uh, answered our questions uh, really well. So uh, you, you're going to love this episode. It's great. Absolutely. Uh, the cause this week, once again, is Asada's Daughters, AD. They are a black women-led young person-directed organization rooted in the black radical tradition. AD organizes young black people in Chicago by providing them with political education, leadership development, mentorship, and revolutionary services. Through their programs, they aim to deepen, escalate, and sustain the movement for black liberation. Find out more and donate at asadasdaughters.org. The Bundle Buddies have donated to them if you donate. And send proof to Bundle Buddies Podcast at gmail.com. We will shout you out on the show. Alex. Folks, let's get into it. Just get in there, right? Yeah. um, All the questions about Jackbox games answered in a moment. Mm. So, uh, pack it in for this week's party packing. Wait, <laughs> just party pack stop. it in, please. Stop. It's a party, no. and we're gonna pack it in, Alex, Jackbox style. Stop it. Here we go. Oh, should we get into it? Should we do this? I, hey, we're already into it. We're already, already going. Into it? Yeah, I, this is it. So like an hour ago, at the beginning of quarantine, um, my wife and I have been trying to get our uh, our landlords to put a like a washer and dryer in. There's like a room which you like under the house or whatever that should have a washer and dryer. They decided they were like no we can't do it so we we like have janked together we bought like you know a small washer and a small dryer but in order to get the washer to work we run the garden hose in from outside 
to the washer and then like have to have a tube from the washer and like drain it outside. And I straight up forgot to put the tube for the washer to drain it outside. And I started doing a load of laundry and was playing (laughs) Apex Legends. And just an hour ago, (laughs) had completely flooded my kitchen. It was great. Wow. (laughs) Oh, no. It was super cool. (laughs) Is Camille home? Yeah, she is home. She came home and was like, Eric, what is going on? And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, no. Wow. So it it went it went from like this nice like relaxing fun uh, Sunday morning to just an absolute nightmare. So my nerves are frayed. If I oh, seem like my nerves are frayed, that's why my nerves are frayed. You guys knowing each other so well, this will be you'll we'll be able to tell really quickly. Like, man, Eric is on something today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna say I think something happened to Eric earlier. <laughs> Definitely laundry related. Something's going on with him and laundry. I don't know. I just have a feeling. Um, in this we have... situation, in this Please. situation, you need a sump pump. I just do. You know what that is? I just <laughs> found out what that is. It's no. like it's a thing that sucks water, liquid out of one space into another. So it's just like a hose that a... has a pump in it. But it's called I... a sump pump. All right. Well, I'll get one of those. How long do you think it's going to take till it gets here? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you can like rent it from Menards. Oh, it's just a great name. <laughs> Sump pump. I also, Menard- Menards is a great name too. Really? I like to say it. <laughs> Save more money at Menards. Do they have Menards out here? I don't think so. Uh. Well, then, where the hell am I going to get my sump pump, Alex? You know, I can't help you, man. Oh boy! All right. Well, we gotta get. We'll just get a power washer instead. <laughs> Claire, hi! Thank you for doing this show. Of course, can't wait um, to talk games. Yeah, we, yeah, well, yes. I know. I know Claire from my time in Chicago. Uh, she's an incredibly funny uh, writer and performer. Um, specifically, I saw you were through sketch group Spooky Dooky. Um, mm-hmm which is awesome. Uh, easily one of the best sketch group names ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you also work uh, in the gaming industry, which is always fun. Even though maybe, do you consider it that? Like, what do you think? Uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. I work for a video game studio. And yeah, exactly. And we make games. So. Yeah. <laughs> there's really other, there's no other way to say it. You <laughs> can't say anything else other than that. Um well, how did that come about? Like, you know, it, you work for Jackpot Games. You've been working. The, the most recent one released pretty recently. Uh, the mm-hmm. most recent one released pretty recently. Uh, in the middle of quarantine, I've been playing a ton of Jackbox games. Like, you know, what's that process like? What, what it, you know, how does it work? I think everyone's so interested right now. How do the Jackbox games work? Yeah. How do they get made? Like, what's your input like? Do you like writing for them? Obviously, we can edit out anything if you if it's too spicy. <laughs> yeah, let me explain the dev cycle. It might get a little spicy. Please. Um, <laughs> How's Jack? So we, Is he cool? <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Um, we put out five games every year, so they come out in the fall in a party pack. And so the way that it works is that we're basically on a year-long production cycle. So starting. Um, in the fall, right as we're releasing the pack we've just made, everyone at the company starts thinking about game ideas and play testing. 
in the past you've been playtesting it in person with like pen and paper and like we have all these tokens and random stuff accumulated so you can kind of like um approximate the digital experience like testing out the mechanics with physical stuff but since now we're doing that whole process during the pandemic it's all been like using google jamboards and using slack and like piecing together prototypes with sort of like very rudimentary um, programs. But anyone at the company can think of games. And then once you've play tested a game a bunch, you can pitch it and you pitch it to like, they're called the team green light, but it's basically like the CEO and the CCO mm -hmm. and like the head of engineering. Um, so you pitch the game and then they will green, lit, green light five games. And then as soon as a game gets green lit, they form a team for the game that has like a director, a lead artist, an editorial lead, a QA person um, and a producer. And then sometimes you're serving on two teams, but basically then you just like create the game and you usually have between wow. like six and eight months, depending on when the game got greenlit. And then production ends mid-August and then it all starts over again. Wow. What's a QA person? A quality assurance. So they're like trying to break the game and test it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And they're the right. one who bug everything. Got it. And you are mostly on the writing side? Development yeah. side? Cool. Yeah. So I write for all the games each year. But then like the last two years, I was an editorial lead on one of the games. Um, last year, one of my pitches went through. So I was the like designer and editorial lead on my game, Blatherand. But oh, cool. basically, oh, so I was like. So fun. Oh, thanks. It's my baby. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, my chair fully broke, but also does that like every day. So I can't really pretend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I flooded my kitchen, so you're good. You're fine. <laughs> you're doing great. I'm really, I'm, I'm hoping I make it to this conversation uh, completely unscathed, but we'll see. Things are, things are bad. Um, so I, how, yeah. did you, how did you get into it? Is it through the comedy world? Is it through the gaming world? 100% comedy world had okay. no experience or real interest in games previously to <laughs> oh, having this job. That's so funny. So did you yeah. did you um, play video games growing up at all or no? Um, like a couple, but really not in any major way. Like we didn't actually. I think we had a console. I think we had a PlayStation. But I really didn't play it. I played a couple like PC games growing up, but I'm just not a big game person, mm -hmm. um, except for improv games. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but the good thing about Jackbox is that it's like they're games for people who, I mean, a lot of gamers will also play Jackbox games, but they're very like accessible. And the point is that Completely. they're supposed to be accessible. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need a controller. You're just using your phone you may have never been introduced to the game, but you're just at a party. So there's very little like barrier to entry. So it's not really a prerequisite to like games to work there or okay. Like them, but to like print <laughs> the games. Um, that being said, almost everyone at the company is like really, really, really into video games. So I'm a, there's like a couple of us who will like talk about books. <laughs> are you a, are you a competitive person at all? 
Um, I'm philosophically not competitive and then constantly disappointed by myself when I become competitive. Because <laughs> uh, I think that that's super interesting, like to to be in the gaming industry as uh, as you as Alex Honnett has sort of put you in, has put you in this industry. Uh, but then to not um, to kind of approach it from a different angle. Would you say that improv is kind of the the place that you sort of kind of come at it from? Hmm. Um, well, when I'm thinking up games, like last year, when, before I pitched Blather Round, or as I was developing it, I was just trying to think of like, okay, what what games have I liked? And then I base it off of that. Like, have you guys ever played Concept? No. no. What's Concept? It's a it's a board game where there's a big board and it's full of symbols and images, like a, like a little picture of a natural scene and like a little picture of a t-shirt and a little picture of an arrow. So like almost like an emoji board. And mm. then you try to, you get like pretty descriptive things like the phrase, um, to be or not to be, and you have to using putting little like pebbles down on the board, try to, and you can't speak, but you're just placing pebbles onto the symbols to get your team to guess what you're trying to get across. Oh, that's fun. So like, and then that is a game I actually like playing. So I was like, okay, no, I like concept. So what would be like a video? Like, what do I like about that? And then I yeah. sort of distilled the core elements of like, okay, I like that you don't have the tools you need at all to describe something. But then in using the like very imperfect tools, you're going to end up describing something in a much more roundabout and like poetic way than you would have thought before. Mm -hmm. And then if you're able to make that connection, it's like magic. So then I like tried to turn that into a video game. Cool. That is yeah. so cool. So that's kind of, and then this year I just pitched actually like on Thursday, I pitched a new game for this round. Um, and that was a kind of similar experience of, I just thought of a, a game I used to play with my sketch team in college and then <laughs> tried and then like play tested and morphed it and morphed it and morphed it until it became like a digital Jackbox game. That's cool. What's the, what's the sketch game? Um, well, I don't know because I don't know if it's going to get green. Okay, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Oh. <laughs> That's too. I'll come I, back next year. Is it yeah. really exciting to sort of like to be in terms of the dev cycle? Is this like the moment everyone like how does how does how does it get pitched? Like, is everyone like on a call together or are these larger meetings and everyone sort of coming up with ideas and the thing that's most exciting sticks or do they go away and sort of like try to figure it out and then come back and you know is it like the the uh, cast list getting post on like the auditorium door on Mondays or something like that and everyone watches like oh did I make did I get making the play it's kind of like that after you've pitched because oh so we have a company meeting every week and then so you're kind of waiting to hear oh did another game get greenlit this week mm. Mm. Um, so I guess that's a little bit like the cast list but if you if it's your game and it's getting greenlit you wouldn't find out with everyone else at the company meeting they yeah. would have messaged you and said like we're going to make the game what do you think about this team that kind of stuff so um, but it is an exciting time I'd say at this point there's more tension because 
due to when we want to launch the games, which is in time for Thanksgiving, since that's the mm. first major time that people are all in the same room and want to get together. Mm. Um, that means that you have to stop production mid-August, no matter what, in order to like submit the game, in order to QA test them really hard and then submit right. the games. Most consoles need like a whole month to approve mm -hmm. um, the game before they'll put it in their store. So we're just on this like very tight schedule and the later your game gets greenlit, the more stressful that dev process mm. is. So like at this point, everyone's kind of like, let's get the last couple games done, you know, cause you just <laughs> yeah. want, um, you don't want to be super slammed over the summer, which is when it gets the most intense. How long? And also when it's the best in Chicago. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Want to go to all those German fests. <laughs> you want to hit yeah. up every German fest you can. Um, how long had you been working before um, you pitched Blather Up? I had been, so I've been at Jackbox for three years the first year that I was hired, I um, came in and the games had all been set. So I was just writing. I had like no, no part of the pitch process. Mm -hmm. um, and then, okay, so I guess I worked and I worked a year on contract and then I've been, then I went on salary. And so it was my first year, like on salary that I pitched Blather Round, but I could oh, have cool. done it on contract. I was just kind of like, not i didn't have the feel for it yet sure does it does it kind of like are you now like hot shit in the company like are you like no cool no <laughs> <laughs> an unequivocal nope um, no. well I, I i am super curious just it's the same thing you know if you get the lead in the play or something like that when they're they post it I, I imagine getting a game through is a really cool big deal like what what does it feel like I can't think of anything because it's not the same thing as like a sketch show or like writing any piece of art or, or making something where you put it out there and then people kind of engage with it in like, I, well, I guess that's the question is like, how does it feel like to be someone who puts things out in the world, has put out written material and then have also having like been a part of the process, pitched a game that goes out that people interact with and like, and like play, does it feel different to you? Is it the same? What, what do you think? Well, first I feel like by talking at the pitch process that I like highlighted the sort of individualistic nature of it because yeah. you're sort of pushing it forward. But as soon totally. as it gets greenlit, like a team gets formed and then that's the design team. And right. then everyone is influencing it. Like the art style makes such a difference. The music, like you're, then it becomes like a completely collaborative collective thing. So it's not like, it it's might be game. referred to right. as like Claire's game, but it's not right. really, you know, it's the company's thing. So um, just want to emphasize no, that. It's I not mean, like I was like the sense. queen. Of <laughs> well, around. I think that's important too, because it, it is a way in which like, it's different from like being Eric and I being out here in Los Angeles. And like, if you're, if you're the creator, usually it's like your deal, like you're making all the choices and stuff like that. And this sounds like once the idea gets, it, it gets sort of, like, do you have a say in the art style or anything like that? Or is that just sort of like kind of taken, not taken away from you, but it, it, it it's a different kind of process? Um, yeah, I definitely had a say. It, it, I think it just also really, it depends on what your role is. And then mm. also the personality of the director and what, how much they want to collaborate. So totally. for example, like I pitched as a writer and then became the editorial lead on Blatheround. So I had a ton of, 
like the director and I would have like hour long meetings all the time where we'd work out kinks in the design um, and, and test different things. But other people who pitched games last year that went through, two of them were engineers. So mm. then they became the lead engineer on their game. Mm. And then I don't know how much, and the teams do get kind of like in like siloed at a certain totally. point, just cause you're like very heads down working. So they would probably have a different relationship to how much maybe that they influenced the art on their game, but they had like total influence on the back end. So it, it's very dependent on like what department you're coming from and your relationship with the director, who's ultimately the one who's making like the final decisions. It is super interesting just to think about it. Like the games, I, I play all the Jackbox uh, party packs when they come out or, or soon thereafter. And like, texturally these games all felt very very different from each other you know mm -hmm. like the the devil one is like so crazy where you're just all screaming at each other the whole time you know and yeah lather round is so interesting like the the edges on that one feel so like smooth when you interact with it especially like the guessing mechanism like the fact that it actually knows even if you spell something wrong what you're trying to go for is so cool like i i gotta imagine that took so much work to figure out like how, how that would operate. But, but so just to say that, like, that's so cool. I love the idea of pitching things internally and different kind of like strengths lending to different kind of games. It's like a, a really interesting window into how that works. So now the question of like, w when people are interacting with these things, like what, what does that feel like the, like differently, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because from doing I mean, up until this year, doing a ton of live comedy. So simultaneously mm. writing my own stuff at the same time as writing for the games. And my shows that I would spend so long and like put so much work and sweat and tears into would get seen by like 200 people tops. <laughs> but that in my head, it feels so good to get the laughter and the applause that I, I would not think of that as more important, but like I'd sort of weigh it I guess I would think of it as <laughs> But then, like, people literally, like, I wrote all the, like, host stuff, you know, for Blatheron, which is, like, a lot of jokes, and I, like, developed the character of the host and everything. And then, like, literally two million people yep. are, like, playing that. But I'm not getting any feedback. Like, I don't hear any laughs. <laughs> people tweet about it, but you know that the people who are tweeting are, like, well, they're either love it, love it, or they're, there's something wrong and they're mad and they don't like, even just reading a tweet that says like, that's a fun game. It doesn't really connect as like, oh, they liked the thing I did. So it's a, just a very weird disconnected feeling. Would you want to, to, be, to, would you want to be like, be able to just be dropped into like random people's games? I mean, you could maybe even do that, right? Like you could just go on to... You could be an yeah, audience on Twitch. If you wanted to, oh, yeah, yeah. There, you can go watch people stream them. It's funny because I actually hate that. It makes me so. <laughs> I, I really don't like watching people play the games because if there's ever like, I especially hate when people don't understand how to play, and then I feel like we didn't explain it well, which happens uh... for all types of games, but it always happens if new people are playing and then I'm like mad at myself for not being a better, like technical explainer. Um, <laughs> is it, yeah. well, I mean, like that's part of the thing, right? Is like, you have to relinquish some of the control in a different way than you do in like a comedy show. Right. 
is that and so does that create anxiety for you like is that does the does that idea is that idea stressful like right like it's at some point it's not even like your game anymore right like it's the game is what people choose to do with it uh how does that feel it's totally it's like two different tracks in terms of the writing of the game. So there's one track that's like more classic comedy. If you're like, I need to write jokes that will make people laugh. Mm -hmm. That's part of the writing. But then the other track is like, I need to create the circumstances in which other people will make themselves laugh. And that's the main part of game design is like, sort of once you have the core concept, I'm I'm saying that like, I know about all game design. (laughs) The very specific Jackbox niche experience I have is like, once you have the core concept, is just it's like more it's kind of like scientific which i feel like comedy is a lot of the time too but you're going in and then you're just like okay if we give them this kind of prompt if if we make the prompt really funny do they end up making their responses funnier or if Mm. we make the prompt more boring are they going to make their responses funnier or if we like set them up for the joke or if we leave a blank like it's kind of like figuring out what will create more the ideal joy. conditions yeah, yeah the ideal conditions but then it's also tough because we're play testing especially at the beginning with other people at the company mm-hmm. and then it's always a big like eye-opening experience when the games get to a point where they can be played by outsiders and then we'll have these like play tests and then it's a whole different ball game so then you're going back and you're like redesigning yeah, because you have, you have any, like normal like, people did you have any curveballs in this like did you see somebody like was there something that somebody playtesting kind of like you were like oh this makes sense to me where i'm like i've set this up and then as soon as you see it in somebody's hands you're like oh no the most alarming one was two years ago i was the editorial lead on a game called dictionarium where you just it's like a very simple jackbox game where you get a fake word like a made-up word and then you're competing to write the funniest definition of it and then mm-hmm. you're competing to write a synonym of that word and then you use it in a sentence oh, yeah. but the most alarming thing that happened from the external play test was that the first time multiple people at the table who were playing didn't know what the word synonym meant mm. and so when i read the external play test notes i was like what a weird aberration and then every time we played it people were like haha what's a synonym what's a synonym (laughs) and just I don't know if that's not getting like taught anymore or what but people don't didn't know the word so then we went back in and like scaffolded that moment so that the host tells you every time what a synonym is (laughs) oh that's absolutely incredible oh that's great that's so and that's like such a like why would you know that Like, like or like why would you know that people like that didn't immediately you know click for folks but yeah yeah yeah, i mean that's got to be one of those things right where you're you're designing games for a huge kind of swath of folks right with literally literally everyone like that's i think what's so it's so cool about it like it you know there's so many of these games that we played in the bundle that are are truly it's for such an, a niche audience. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's sure. it's extremely specific, like who they're trying to reach. The, the, we play a lot of visual novels in this thing, which is like, hmm. 
sort of like a boring like <laughs> you it has to be really good to be a good experience mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people who play visual novels are people who like that medium so i mean similar to like improv comedy in chicago there's so many shows you see where there is such a small audience of people who are fans of the medium and of the like community even more than they are of you know, like uh, like a broader comedy kind of thing. So mm -hmm. they're pull they 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 pull from it like the what insiders pull from it. You know, in a very different way. Sure. Um, d what does it feel like to try to? I mean, your your comedy was not uh, the, the stuff that I would see was is not that sort of narrow, uh, just comedy for comedians. But it is like uh, extremely uh, intelligent and uh, conceptual and very specific. Like is, uh, I know that writing this, you've already said is like different because it's a different path to create the conditions, but how does it feel to try to create something broader, you know, like than, mm -hmm. than maybe uh, the stage comedy you created in the past was? Well, comedically, it just, in terms of like writing one-liners or writing the content, I just, now I don't even really think about it. I think at the beginning I had to like find where the boundaries were more, mm. but now I just kind of like, have a sense of the Jackbox voice and just like dip into it. Yeah, when I'm totally. Um, I mean, I have always, like, I think I'm most impressed when things t are genuinely funny to me and they're clean because I know that that's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> right. So like, and I don't think that we always hit the mark, but Jackbox writes pretty clean. I know that people write filthy things into the games and we will like set you up for that, but we are never going to be filthy. Um, so that's like a good challenge, I think. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of like writing or, or it, in terms of it being for a broad audience, in terms of the design, that is, uh, has been a frustrating thing at times, which I'm, you just, have to like repeatedly get over which is yeah. like if people are not understanding what you want them to do or they're not being like funny enough or having enough fun it's so <laughs> tempting to just be like well they're not playing like they're not they're not playing it right and like that's like why that's on them. they these idiots that's not, yeah that's on them but then that's <laughs> not fair like yeah <laughs> it's our job to set you up for success so whenever i was having that feeling with blather round of like like in earlier prototypes, if the sentences weren't coming out really funny, I'm like, okay, well, people aren't picking funny stuff. I'm putting it in there. <laughs> but like, that's not fair because, you know, a bunch of like abuelas are going to be playing and you don't yeah. want them to not have a good time because I don't think that they were playing it right. Like you just have to set them up for success. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I think that that's also like the difference between kind of like, art right and more commercial like consumable product right you know it's mm -hmm. like if you were making you know art jackbox games like you could put you could make whatever you want and you could just say like fuck you you didn't do it correctly right but like mm -hmm. at the end of the day you all are a company that's trying to make money and i think that that's i mean like the same way with comedy right like uh you can do a show that like Oh, like the audience just like loses their mind at, and then you can do the exact same show in front of a completely different audience and it just like falls flat. And so there's that like weird, you know, kind of like 
you know, is does that make your like are your jokes not funny anymore? If like you're like, I don't know. Like, I think that there's something cool there about like the experience of the creator and then the uh, the audience and how in some ways the creator is like you're defined by your audience in the way that they're going to participate with that thing. But uh, but you yeah. also have no control over that in some in some regards. Yeah, oh, that's that not, definitely. That's, that's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> a conversation. <laughs> um, that definitely like from doing shows at like IO for, mm-hmm. you know, 12 people who are all on the other Herald team. And then uh-huh. I was touring with Second City before the pandemic as well. And like, especially even the difference between home shows for Second City and shows on the road, like what people were laughing at was so different. And then the first couple of times you do the road show and stuff hits that you're like, that is what's hilarious. <laughs> like the first couple of times you're like, that's lame. And, but then by like the fourth show, you're like, I'm going to slay this scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and I feel like that's probably the same with Jackbots. Like at the beginning you might be like, well, I don't want to write like little lame one-liners for the host to tell to 13 year olds. <laughs> but then once you do it a couple of times and you figure out like what, works and what makes the 13 year olds laugh then you're just like ah it's not lame anymore i can do it (laughs) (laughs) that's cool that's such a a cool experience do you think it does it do you feel like you're gonna keep trying to um like like is your path the path that you imagine for yourself is it more comedy or is it more like game design i think definitely comedy Okay. Like this is a nice, like beautiful confluence of a company that's in Chicago that is funny, that has other comedians that like creates a cool product. But I I don't think I would be a good fit at like any other video game company pretty much. <laughs> totally. Um, nor do I have very much interest because I don't really play video games. So I don't have the like... Um, you know, it's not top of mind of like, oh, this would be a cool first person shooter game to set in the future Prague or whatever. Yeah. Like that stuff doesn't yeah. cross my mind. because You're all, yeah, it's a first person shooter where you're all trying to figure out definitions of words that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, uh, it's, it is interesting just to talk with you because, because so much of what you're talking about too is, is like the, really what you do at Jackbox is like you're creating the circumstances is really like the role of a producer and stuff like that. Like you're, you're basically trying to set the table as much as possible. And you are doing that like from a creative element too, when you are performing a, a, a show in front of people, but you know, it's not the focus. It's, it's, it's like something so, um, it's like on the tip of my tongue, like the, the, there's just like something about it that is so special about just the, those two parts of your brain working in Congress, you know, like, do you, do you feel like working at Jackbox has made you a stronger comedic writer? Uh, you, you know, I, I like as you set off on this this journey, you know, to, 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 to figure out what's next. I think that it has done what most writing jobs end up doing, which is that I've just sort of honed my sense of um, getting to the joke 
yeah and also just producing a lot of them because when yeah. you're writing scenes you can have kind of more like half jokes or like contextual jokes of like oh, it'll be really funny if you just say oh my god after a pause like yeah. that, that could be a joke in a scene um so before working at jackbox i was mostly writing sketch and then you can do a lot yeah with like different physical things and and well also you're like a really good performer so i imagine like sometimes it's like oh yeah this might not like read you know but i know how i can make this funny so i'm not worried about it you know right yeah well then that's the nice thing about being an editorial lead on a game is that you create the host character and then you write the jokes for the host and the script and then it, it depends on, at least for me, I also cast the person and then I run the voiceover sessions. So then I would write a lot of jokes and then I'd be there with the person. So if it wasn't coming out right, I would either like direct them or sometimes I would just cut it and I'd be like, okay, I'm, this is a limitation of the character. It can't do this mm -hmm. type of joke. Um, yeah. So having that like full control helps. Cool. To sort of pivot from there, uh, what was it like to to go through such a big chunk of the cycle, like in quarantine? You know, like how did how did that affect things or change things? And do you feel like this next round of games is like at, at least a little bit angled towards the fact that people are playing over Zoom so much more than they would normally or on Twitch? Um, I well, let's see. So all of the games that came out in Party Pack Seven were developed in office. And then my game was the last one to be greenlit. It was greenlit like the second week of quarantine. So that's so funny that I would not have assumed that based on the way all those games turned out that yours was the last one, you know? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I crunched pretty hard over the summer, but <laughs> I bet, dude, I bet. Um, so, but then as we were developing them or once they were in production, um, you know, I think we're all, Twitch has been a thing for a couple of years. So yeah. we always have a couple people on the team who are especially sort of like keeping their eye out for, is this going to be Twitch friendly? Is this going to be mm -hmm. streamer friendly? Mm -hmm. And we usually have a game every year that we just know isn't going to be super streamable. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, like getting to know you games or the right. the games that you need to be friends with the people are usually the ones where it's kind of like a lost cause. Like mm -hmm. we have one called mm -hmm. role models where you're putting your friends into different. Oh yeah. Um, I played a like, ton of that over quarantine. Yeah. So that's fun. You could play that easily with friends right. in a zoom, but you wouldn't mm -hmm. like Twitch stream it because you'd be playing with random followers and then totally. you wouldn't know like who's the princess Jasmine in the crew. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> it's me. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. I, Eric, I was going to say you are totally the princess Jasmine in our friend group. I got that vibe. My dad is just keeping me in this thing and trying to marry me off. Right. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's... That's like every princess. <laughs> <laughs> Raja is cool. There we go. <laughs> I my <laughs> I feel like I talk about uh my wife too much on this podcast, but uh classic she, wife guy. She, um there's literally nothing nothing else <laughs> in uh in quarantine but hanging out with my wife. Uh and it rules. She um she she in like when she was like in third grade, uh she was 
adamant that everybody at school call her Raja after seeing Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, mom, dad, I want to be, change my name to Raja. And I guess her dad was like, all right, here's what we'll do in six months. If you still want to change your name to Raja. God, that is such a smart parenting technique. Just like, yeah. like uh-huh i know you want that at this moment but in six months from now and then six months later she was like no nah, i want my name to be i don't know <laughs> whatever i don't know mulan I... <laughs> <laughs> uh that's okay that's my camille story for this one there you go <laughs> i think we have time for one more camille story by the end of this okay I'll think of, let's think of a good one i'll think of a good one she's angry at me because i flooded our kitchen how's that for a good camille story that's a great when one. she's angry she turns into raja yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's rock and roll them uh, so this week uh, we played three games, even Arcadia, not the robots on Cubefall. Let's start with Cubefall uh, by Cavalry, an action score attack single player two color game. Description, rotate the square to catch the falling cubes. Clear roads by catching blocks in every column. Be careful, rotating a tower into a falling block causes the tower to absorb the block. If a power gets too big, it's game over. Two modes, three difficulties, and over 20 col- color palettes. Um, what do we think? Yeah, so it's it's kind of like this this Tetrisy type game, right? Where you're looking down onto the square, squares are kind of falling down onto it, and then you rotate the square. I at, at first I was like, at first I didn't really understand the rules. Yeah. <laughs> like I needed to look at the the Twitch page in order to to get it right. Like that first moment was like what the fuck am I doing? Like, and then as, and then I figured it out. And then honestly, like I kind of played it a little bit and was like kind of bored by it. Yeah. Uh, Claire, did you like Tetris at all? Did you ever spend any time playing that game? Huge Tetris head. Yes. There we go. Yeah. You Miss, I'm not head. a gamer. <laughs> I, really, I don't yeah. game. I don't play games. I freaking love Tetris. I'm a Tetris world champion. I used to play Tetris friends like every day for hours in high school. Well, really? I don't really consider that gaming. What what do you consider that? Activity time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what, uh, what, What platform was that on? Was that like a mobile game or like a Facebook thing? It was a website called TetrisFriends.com and you would play against people. Just like strangers? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't any like chat function. I have no idea who I was playing against. <laughs> you were playing against, liked... your, playing against your Tetris friends. Yeah, my Tetris friends. Exactly. Could have been a Get robot. School, I wouldn't have known. Play some Tetris friends. <laughs> um, I wasn't allowed, though, so I had to wait for my parents to go to sleep. And then I would double fist um, the office, which I torrented, and Tetris friends. So I would like split screen, pull up the office, and then... Um, tetris and then do that for like three hours so you're just like literally mainlining like congruency Wait, and comedy what do yeah. you mean your parents wouldn't let you what like they were like tetris tetris friends is bad well <laughs> yeah you are playing tetris too friends. much tetris friends 
It's going to rot your brain. Kids across um, America are getting into this new dangerous <laughs> drug called Tetris Friends. <laughs> um, well, I guess the main thing that, so I wasn't allowed to watch TV on weekdays. That was like mm. a family rule for all time. Wow. So that, I guess it's the, it's the double header aspect of it. Like I would wait I don't think I'd ever played Tetris without also listening or watching to The Office. So it was like, I couldn't pull up. They didn't even under, they didn't know that we had TV shows on the computer. Uh-huh. Now they'll know because they listen to your podcast religiously. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> thank you. We just want to say thank you thank so you much, Thank you to our guys. only listeners, Claire's parents. Elaine and Patrick. <laughs> Elaine and Patrick. We'll have to have you on the pod sometime. I've been wondering end. who's been leaving these crazy reviews. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I would have to wait for them to go to bed so that I could pull up the TV I had illegally stored, like TV episodes that stored on our family computer, and then I would play Tetris while I like watched season one over and over and over again. Oh man, good thing that the F- the FBI didn't. What you weren't one of those people that got like <laughs> the door kicked down by the FBI because then your parents oh, would torrenting. know that. Yeah, your parents would know you were watching TV. Yeah. And you could have gone to jail, but oh, mostly your parents. So were... you, a uh, huge Tetris fiend, forget about mm-hmm. friends, huge Tetris fiend. Did this scratch any of that itch for you? No. I found this game, I, like I understand that I was rotating the tube, but mm. it. I don't, I think maybe I don't have that good of, um, what's it called when Dep- you. Spatial awareness, depth perception. Yeah, but it's specifically, um, there's a, not an IQ test, but it's like that type of cognitive science, like uh, aptitude test where you see an object and then you tell the researcher what ways that it would need to be rotated for it to look like this other picture. And I'm really bad at that. So I I would be rotating the tube and not understanding like what <laughs> was, where it was gonna land. I know exactly what you mean. I had the a very similar situation, especially when there's like multiple ones going at once. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I can sort of fathom where one of them is going to go, but both of them and also understanding the way in which things rotate when you like w- where it moves when you rotate the tube, you know, because right. like it didn't feel like it was just a straightforward of like everything's always in the same place. It's like it changed every time you moved it about where it was on there, even if it kept the same uh, general structure. Uh, I struggled with this one. Like I, I, f- I felt like if I had kept on playing it for a while, I might have been able to like lock my brain into it. But with a game like this, it's so much the tactile experience of like playing it and feeling good when stuff good happens, and like the nice sounds you get and, and all that stuff. And I, I just. I didn't feel like this uh, spoke to me in that way. So I, I wasn't enjoying playing it. It's funny much. that you say that too, because like even clearing out a row at the bottom, there wasn't, yeah, it just sort of was just sort of like, okay, that's gone now. Like it wasn't, there was no, yeah, yeah. no fanfare or anything right, like that, right? You know, to like, it was just sort of like, yes, you've done that. And, and I think like in a lot of ways, like even giving somebody a little, like you know like i I, we've talked a little bit about the sort of like brain hacking that some games are very good at right where it's just sort of like they give you those little bit like they're very good at giving you those serotonin bits and this game seemed so disinterested in that like it was just like we're not gonna like 
reward you for getting these columns like it's just like that's just what you're doing (laughs) almost as if like you were dropped into this like you know like dystopia where it's like oh yes we hear the cubes fall and you rotate and you get the cubes correct and if you don't get the cubes correct then the game is over and if you get the cubes correct you can continue to get the cubes correct if you'd like (laughs) it's like okay i don't like yeah yeah i yeah it didn't it didn't compel me to get to a point where i felt good at the game yeah you're you're not competing against any friends so right there (laughs) ultimately (laughs) or strangers i mean maybe if i had been watching the office while i was playing it but instead i was like shirking my responsibilities at actual work uh, I know um, from experience that if you watch The Office and play a game, you can get into a type of flow otherwise inaccessible to the common man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being inside a symphony. Claire, you should pick up Tetris right now and just do that while you're trying to uh, game design, you know, and see if like maybe you can like return to that that mind frame of just yeah. complete and total, you know, free play. I should. I should just listen to the because at that point, I think only season one and season two were out of the office. So that's I just repeated it. So I can if I went back, I could probably like um, say the scenes as they were happening, Mm. you know, because it was like music. That's what happens if you don't like watch TV. If you don't let your kids watch TV, then they just start doing like. Then they become absolutely obsessed, like with yeah. I mean, I would just like, why did I watch this season like twelve times? (laughs) I don't know. Season two of The Office was really good. That Mm -hmm. was like I think the not the show's creative peak, but certainly like an early indication that like oh this is this show's great. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we do this thing at the end uh, where we just say pass or play on the game. I'm a pass on this one. Uh, it it does it doesn't give you much reason to ground. It's it's perfectly fine like sort of thing, but you know you can find stuff like this online. Go play Tetris, friends. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I I think I, I'm also a pass on this one. It's it's kind of yeah. There wasn't there wasn't really a lot there. It has that kind of Tetris feel to it. I understand um, conceptually why somebody would try to make this right like they had this kind of idea it's sort of radial and you know a way to do a tetris but it uh ultimately you know fell a little flat and just didn't really didn't really grip me to pass sorry claire i concur i concur and i pass very good very judicious with your words too i appreciate that uh we'll only spend a second on this next one uh because unfortunately claire could not play it but it is not the robots by td array and tiny build games a procedurally generated action strategy roguelike stealth game description you're a robot in an office building you have to eat furniture and not get caught a mysterious story unfolds not the robots is this year's most exciting roguelike stealth furniture eating simulator it's a game with random levels permadeath and the goal of eating furniture same furniture is also your stealth cover um this reminded me a lot of like a game that I would have downloaded from a, a free to play website in like like 2003. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like it, it, was, it was actually kind of fun. And, yeah, it uh, is fun. Like you're just you're really just running around and you're eating furniture at, at the top of the game. Uh, I got the notification that like the game 
you don't level up in this game, the levels level up, which is like, yeah, that's kind of like normal. <laughs> that's like, like that's how normal games used to exist, like Mario or whatever. It's just yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, levels get harder. That's that sounds about right. That's pretty. That's pretty classic game design for you. Um, so you're just walking around eating furniture and interacting with things how you can. There's like some powers you can pick up every now and again. Uh, it's a fun little game. The The design was nice. And I like the fact that it's roguelike and procedurally generated. So they'll never play it. They'll just add different components. I, um, yeah, I enjoyed I, it. I also think that um, the like there's there's a little bit of um, like it says that you're eating this furniture, but you're really just like clicking on it and it's dissolving. Um, and I think that like we haven't really talked too much about um suspension of disbelief in games but like they told me that you were eating this furniture i believed i was eating this furniture right like and and yeah, i don't think sure. that like uh i you know i don't think we encounter a ton of stuff that has that kind of quality to it so but i will just say that like that is cool like there's something that is kind of cool about that mm -hmm. that if like you know you say that this is what is happening. Like I will kind of believe that to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, well, I, I'm a play on this one. It's fun. Pick it up. You can just spend a couple hours screwing around with it. It's a good time. Yeah. No. Why is it called not the robots? Ooh, important question. That's that I. Oh, maybe it's like not the robots. <laughs> Are you like, a please. robot? You are, yeah. You're a little oh, robot running around okay. chomping. Yeah, you're a robot. That's 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 eating furniture, office furniture. <laughs> and then, I'm like, watching the trailer. Got at I like it. Got real hard real quick for me. Yeah, I don't know it did it get very hard. hard. Yeah, the, like stealth aspect to it was like, whoa, okay, cool, <laughs> fuck, shit. Yeah, my uh, gaming PC, my total hog. You know that thing. <laughs> It's churning a little bit. Graphics were nice too. I, I thought that it looked really good. So I, yeah, this is fun. This is a fun little game. Play not Check the robots. Out. Play not the robots. Player, you um, should play not the robots. You should get a gaming PC in order to play not the robots. We know how yeah. much you love gaming PCs. And gaming, you know, it's such uh, a great yeah, way to game. I built my own Mac, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need a little more RAM in there. Thanks. Uh, the final game of this week was. Even in Arcadia by Phoebe Shalloway, an atmospheric experimental exploration, gardening, narrative, sci-fi uh, art game made in Unity. Uh, description, in a distant future in which capitalism and consumerism have continued to run rampant, corporations have replaced all government, and planet Earth has long been regulated to legend. Society constantly moves to new planets and throws away the old ones like last year's model of smartphone. Uh, from This is a note from Phoebe. I studied media studies at Vassar College, class of 2018, and this game was originally created as my the senior thesis. You can learn more about the theory behind even in Arcadia, my thesis is written component, and then she has a link where you can download it. So, you know, to get out of the way, we, we have games in here that are created for game jams, and then games that are created like commercially. This was a, a senior art project, which uh, Claire actually mentioned before we started recording, like, this felt like an art project. And it's like, you uh, absolutely nailed it, because it is an art project. Um, you it's a pretty small little game you, there is uh, there are a couple different rooms with different things that you can interact with uh but really uh it's these people that you follow around and watch them interact uh, with each other and you're just sort of like observing them uh while they talk about stuff um it was kind of cool i don't know i liked it i'm curious what you guys thought about it i didn't see anyone talking 
Really? Was that the main part of the game? Yeah. yeah they, they, what they do is they talk to each other and then you're and like talk about stuff and you learn details about other people and you can follow them as they walk around this like room where like they'll go interact with other folks who have things to say about other people. And then you just sort of learn what's going on with everyone. And you can kind of pick up little stories here and there and learn like the larger story about the world and what's going on. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't see the like text. An example of Phoebe would probably be like, she's an idiot. She didn't have fun. She didn't <laughs> Um, so I walked around, I looked at every room and I read yeah. the like panels on the wall. Yeah. I went up in the tree canopy Pretty and cool. I threw stuff away all the time because uh -huh. that was one of the options was to just like <laughs> put garbage in the can. <laughs> I think I did it for like 15 minutes and it never, I never like hit on a conversation. That's so funny. Enough yeah, to know that that was these, the point. It almost looked like sticky notes above their heads, and then there yeah. was like text on them. Mm. The conversations were funny because they were like, there was like some. I I as I was playing it, I was like, what was this assignment? Right, like what? What was this? Like, right, like you would encounter things that were like had yeah it was just like what was the like what <laughs> what sort of like things am i encountering right now that are just sort of like this is sort of to satisfy the assignment and i think i don't i can't i'm very i feel very strange about this game alex and, and I, I, mm -hmm. I like because it's like there's there's one part of me that's like this is like nonsense and then there's another part of me that like this is like this cool strange collage Mm -hmm. right and that's and so like those two aspects together are were yeah i don't i don't know what did you think wh while you were while you were playing it i love shit like this sure because we we talk about stuff a lot uh claire about like we both want different things out of games i'm usually like pretty happy when someone creates something and i'm like look they made something like it either worked or it didn't but like they made something and that's cool let's try to appreciate it on its like kind of merits you know and eric's that's like i would like to have that's why you're a good creative director of an improv theater <laughs> <laughs> right exactly i i saw so much bad improv and i loved all of it yeah um, but eric's more like i would like my games to be fun when i play them please yeah you know? which is like uh i think a, a incredibly correct snobby snobby no way to no i i don't think so i don't think it's snobby i think claire would probably feel the same way if she liked to play games you know <laughs> Yeah, I would not say that I liked playing this, but also I wasn't <laughs> obviously doing the main thing. Um, I did have the feeling from playing that I was just like, oh, well, I can see why this would be fun to make. Like, I would like to create it, but it, I didn't have that much fun, like, reading it. I also get very, like, I zone out when, when there's sci-fi type of, mm. like, names. I'm always just like, I get it. You know, it'll be like, this you know the planet was is ruled by like major tron zorkden whatever and then my brain's just like yang, 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 yang. <laughs> <laughs> you're like give me that dude spilling chili again i i can't <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't watching freaking battlestar Galactica, guys. i was watching the office <laughs> i yeah i mean like it's it's funny because like i think um 
when I was really into theater, this would have if if I had seen this as a theater piece, it would have exactly it, it would have been like, yes, I love this. A like narrative unfolds that I'm not a hundred percent privy to. Like that to me is like very cool, right? But like when you put it into this kind of virtual space, um, it loses it loses that specialness right that that and and that like alienating effect well i don't know if it loses the specialness though because this is essentially like a like sleep no more you know what i mean like you're wandering around and you can like experience things or not experience things you definitely lose the immediacy and the excitement of like being there in person and like discovering things like in front of your own two eyes, but you still have that element of discovery. It's still going on. It just not, might not feel as immediate or as exciting. So, well, I guess in that way you do lose some of the specialness. So I agree with you. I, I apologize to come around. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, I just, I like, I wonder, you know, like, I mean the, yeah, I don't know. Like, because some of the, so, it was that thing, right? Where you're like, I can tell that this wasn't a like it's it's funny to me that it's a it's also a creative like or a cultural theory class thesis and not like a programming designing thesis, right? Because it was obviously not um polished in that way, right? Like or or to say that this game was polished in any way is is uh I don't think it was polished in, in many ways, right? Like in some ways it is, it feels very much like a, uh, like an art project, right? Like it is, it is this sort of like, yeah, I don't know, but the skins, like it's still, it's still very straight. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I, and this, I think is where the like pass or play kind of thing sort of fails, right? Because it's yeah, like, it breaks down. This is, it's too strange of a thing to really, it's like a personal preference thing. I don't know. It's so. Uh... If it's fun to wander around a virtual space and watch people talk about sort of like sci-fi naturey kind of concepts, which I don't like think it really is that per- <laughs> personal drama. But but that's what I mean. If like if it's if that sounds fun to you, this is a game that you should like 100 percent play because I'm not sure you're gonna find many other games like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've been dis- like done a disservice by gaming in general. Well, it's like, also like not this- even like I don't even think that that the that fun is the point of this. Like it's very much yeah. a postmodern critique maybe i don't know like i but i also don't necessarily know that i like found the critique in the process right so it like in some ways it like as far as narrative stuff goes like the writing of the narrative stuff wasn't like um it didn't it didn't feel i i i wasn't able to fully realize it in my experience of it and then like whatever the the sort of like critique was was sort of like was the critique just like like capitalism is bad but like that feels like um you know like a like a pretty regular critique in in a lot of sci-fi yeah i don't know i well i just hit my mic sorry i don't know i uh, this one was straight this one's so strange I think, you know what, I can just be a pass, or I can be a play, rather, for all three of us. <laughs> you can you can pass on passing. Uh, Claire, you can uh, pass on playing. And then I can, uh, I'll just say play. And then that'll count for the podcast's official recommendation. Play the game. 
I'm so sorry, Claire. I'm so sorry that you weren't able to see the, yeah, the dialogue. I'm really sorry, too. <laughs> I mean, I saw, I saw some stuff. <laughs> what What did you discover? Like, what is the plot? Uh, people are, like, being, like, dramatic with each other about stuff. Like, th there's not... I, I didn't necessarily get a ton out of the interactions, yeah, know, to be totally honest. That's sort of what I, I think I mean is, like, I don't really know what the plot was. There wasn't... Yeah. It was hard to, to tell kind of what was unfolding. And in that way, I was not not gripped, right? Like, I'm no longer uh, enchanted by... <laughs> plots unfolding that i don't really understand anything going like now i need to i need it to be kind of spelled out to me in a, in a lot of ways i'm getting old do you want to see that guy spill chili on the ground oh my god the idea of him spilling the chili on the ground is really funny i've actually never really watched the office that much well I, so I mean, how about this how about this instead of on our podcast whenever there's a game that you don't want to pass on but you can't really endorse to play we'll say this game spilled the chili you know what i mean <laughs> like there was some good about it there's some bad about it yeah Claire. i mean spilling the chili is like one of the funniest 60 seconds of all time <laughs> in like across medium so i think spilling the chili would mean like it's an absolute home run i think about it all the time and i would play it a million times <laughs> so this game yeah it didn't quite spill the chili yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> tetris um, spilled the chili <laughs> <laughs> tetris is one of the all-time greatest chili spillers for sure goat <laughs> uh well cool um Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Claire. Uh, what what do you want to plug? What can people check out? I mean, where can folks catch your stuff or find out about your work or see your touring schedule for Second City when things might open back up again? <laughs> What's going on? Um, you can find me on Twitter at CZ McFadden because my middle name is Zoe. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where if I make any, like some, I make videos and stuff, so I'll put them on there. That's a good spot. I'm also at claremcfadden.com. And about one person a day visits that website. <laughs> on the analytics page. Squarespace has like a whole analytics interface that I didn't know about. And now I can go and see that I get like one person in China every day who checks in. So pretty, pretty cool stuff happening over there. It's actually uh, my parents that go and visit your website once a day. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're very, very supportive of the art. Wow, we have such active parents. What are my parents <laughs> doing? They're just at home sipping on some chili right now. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on Bundle Buddies. And uh, we will look forward to the next round of Jackbox games yeah, Claire. to play in person. This was, this was thank great. You. Thanks so much for coming. You bet. <laughs> Okay, that was great. Oh, Alex, you know what? I think that you and I are getting really good at this. I wholeheartedly agree. Hmm. Uh, our guest next week is Liz Maupin, a comedy producer, writer, and music enthusiast, uh, self-described from her Twitter bio. She's also a great follow on Twitter. I would give her a follow if you don't already follow her, at Liz Maupin, L-I-Z-M-A-U-P-I-N. Um, it's a fun episode. Let's figure out what games we played. They are... Glittermitten Grove from Twinbeard, a strategy management sim with fairies. Ooh. Uh, RPG by Liam Twosey, Twos, a action RPG dungeon crawler with pixel art. 
and Heartbreak High, a breakup simulator from Alec Robbins. Uh, Internet darling Alec Robbins, a visual novel dating sim uh, with a specifically comedy bent. I love it. Uh, Alex, I'm so stoked. It's going to be a fun one. So be sure to check out next week uh, when we have all that fun stuff. Yeah. That's it. Uh, like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there. And track us out on the web at Bundle underscore Buddies on Twitter. Eric, I, 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 I love you. Always I, have. I Always love you love. too, Alex. I love you from the bottom of me heart. Um, bye, guys. Bundle Buddies is produced by Alex Honnett and Eric Roth. Our theme song is Neo Shiki by Roll Music. Email Bundle Buddies Podcast at gmail.com to say hi. Bye.